Hello and welcome to the TF Bulletin edition of the ToxPod. Looking into the third edition for 2023 and as usual, I'm joined by Bulletin editors Rebecca Hartman and Jen Schumann. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Thanks for having us. So as usual, the TF Bulletin contains the President's message, which can also be found on the TF website. And this is the first message he's had since the Rome meeting. That's right. And there's a whole lot of announcements from Dimitri. It's quite a long President's message for this issue. He mentioned some of the constitutional changes that we've recently voted on, a bit of an overview on some of the highlights of the TF Rome meeting. Apparently there were about 800 delegates registered, so that's got to be one of the records for TF. And, of course, the announcement of the um, 2027 host, which will be in Turkey, which is really exciting. It is exciting. I think they're really trying to expand representation to include more of the world and make sure that everybody is more represented than were previously focused. You know, there was a lot of Europe and, you know, places that typically send delegates to the conferences that ended up on the board. And expanding the voting to be online has been one step in expanding it to make sure that more of the world gets represented. But now, they're making an effort to make sure every continent is represented as well. It's a theme started under Mark LeBeau's presidency and continued through Dimitri's as well. So now the representative from all the different, from six different continents is really going to make a, a truly international society. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, so the other changes are related to introduction of a fee for DCF members, which is, although it, it is more money, it does actually give DCF members access to the Journal of Analytical Toxicology, and it's currently set at about a third of the the full membership. So hopefully that still enables DCF members to join. Yeah, and I think it's really good value for the amount of money that they're going to be charging. And all in all, it'll help keep TF to float better, you know, as, as they face greater and greater expenses on the upcoming years. Okay, so let's move on to the first article, which is by you, Jen. You were a recipient of a Churchill Fellowship grant. Yeah, I um, was really lucky enough to receive a Churchill Fellowship in 2019. So these are available um, in Australia, but also in some of the other Commonwealth countries like Canada and New Zealand and the UK. And they were actually founded after Winston Churchill's death because he was so sick of having all of these statues erected in his name around the place that he wanted something that actually made a bit more of a difference. So before he died, he organised for these fellowships to be available and basically they're travel fellowships where um, you can travel overseas for between four and eight weeks to anywhere in the world to conduct a, a mission to investigate something of your interest and it can be any type of interest, any type of passion and bring that sort of information and new research back to your respective country. Mine actually was looking at opioid policy and practice, particularly because we've got a a really significant problem with pharmaceutical opioids here in Australia. They kill more people than any other drugs in this country. And so I wanted to travel overseas to investigate uh, basically what people felt that they'd done right and done wrong in fighting the, the problem of opioids in different countries. So I went to North America, where I'm sure we all know that there's a very significant problem with opioids, um, especially since the opioid epidemic began quite a long time ago now. Um, And then I went across to Germany and Switzerland, where although they've got the same sort of high rates of prescribing of of prescription opioids, 
They just don't have the associated harms that we're seeing here in Australia. So I wanted to see what people thought that they could have done better and what people think has been really effective in terms of mitigating the harms caused by opioids. It was fascinating to read the different approaches by different countries. It was very interesting because it's a very different approach in these different countries. So it's a much more punitive approach to treating drug-related harms and substance abuse in places like Canada and then a much more sort of public health approach to addiction in places like Switzerland. And Canada's sort of somewhere in between. They're doing their best to fight the opioid epidemic with a lot of drug harm reduction policies, but they don't seem to be doing it quite as well as Switzerland, I think. And that's where um, a lot of the lessons were learnt, really, for what we can be doing better here in Australia. And I think it's fair to say that the US has a lot to learn from this report as well. Um, I've already sent it to some people in my local government because I think it's not all stuff that people in politics want to hear, but I think it's really important to see what's actually working and what isn't. Exactly. And I think Switzerland's sort of a case in point. They kept saying to me, why don't you do this? Like, why don't you have drug checking services? And why don't you have prescription heroin and things like this? And, and you know, they, they've proven that it's worked. And when you look at the uh, the research in the last couple of decades since they introduced all of these quite controversial strategies at the time, you can just see the the rate of opioid overdoses has plummeted and so has the rate of new hepatitis C infections and drug-related crimes. Like it's the, the proof is in the pudding sort of thing. So we, we've seen how it can work and it's a perfect opportunity to replicate some of those policies and strategies in countries where, where we've got a problem that isn't being fixed by the current approaches. I think one of the issues, though, that you raise is that the solutions that seem to work are not overnight fixes. They're things that take years to implement and develop into culture. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, a lot of these sort of cultural shifts have taken a long time and, and some of the things that I was quite impressed by, like how well the police worked with health services and and how there was this really strong mutual respect and, and the approach to treating substance abuse as a public health issue rather than a law enforcement issue. And I said, you know, how did you do this? And and they said, it's taken a very long time, you know, a lot of work for a long time. And it's it's something that, you know, requires that sort of cultural change. And we have seen it with, with other things here. I mean, with quitting smoking, the rates of smoking here in Australia used to be sky high and it's taken decades, but now it's really low. The introduction of other public health strategies like compulsory seatbelt wearing and things like that. I think in the beginning, a lot of those significant policy changes can seem very controversial and there's a lot of backlash from the public, but some of these changes do change lives and, um, and save lives. So I encourage all toxicologists out there to have a read of this article and also go online to the Churchill Trust to get a copy of her report and pass it on to people if you ever have a chance who are involved in drug policy, because um, drug policy is what determines the outcome of people who use drugs in our society and whether they end up in a positive or negative situation. Now, the Italian guidelines for forensic toxicology have been published in this edition, and they're issued by the Scientific Society of Italian Forensic Toxicologists, the GTFI. Quite comprehensive set of guidelines, starting from collection, going through basically all aspects of a, a laboratory Yes, reading this felt like Toxicology 101. 
It was very comprehensive, as you said, strong collaboration between a number of well-known toxicologists across Italy. And it reads very much like a list of, not not a list. Blueprint? Yeah, it reads very much like a blueprint of building a laboratory and a, a toxicology program from the ground up. You know, it covers everything from, as you said, collection to method development and guidelines for proper validation and everything in between. Mass spec identification, sampling, the whole lot. Yeah. So this is really quite an opus and a useful guide for anybody who's new to the field or anybody who wants to improve their workflows and performance in a quality laboratory. One thing that's happened just recently is that TF has now taken over management of high-res NPS, and it's going to be run by the TF NPS committee, uh, which is very exciting. So the University of Copenhagen uh, was unable to support the service any longer, and so TF have taken on the mantle and offered to uh, look after high-res NPS for the good of future toxicologists. And it really fits in well with TF because TF's always been about sharing information, so I'm pretty excited about that. Now, this issue is also obviously about the Rome meeting, and it was quite a successful meeting, ranging from the letter of goodwill from the Pope, which was quite a highlight at the opening ceremony, the orchestra, and everything for that meeting was quite good. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was well organised. Yeah, it was a great meeting. And the organisers were kind enough to send us uh, a copy of the letter to include in the bulletin. So it's a nice visual reminder of really a special moment during the opening ceremony. We can't talk about all the award winners, but the most important ones, I guess, from TF as a whole would be the Alan Curry Award and the Achievement Award. That's right. So this year, the Alan Curry Award went to Ilka Oyampira from Finland, who's obviously a very well-known figure at TF and has been for many years and has done a huge amount of work for many decades um, in forensic toxicology. So a, a really amazing colleague of ours, and he's written an overview of uh, a bit of a summary of his background and experience in the area and and how much this award really means to him. Um, And the Achievement Award went to TIAFT Rome meeting co-host Francesco Bizzardo and he also provides an overview of his CV and some of his sentiments about being a TIAF member. We've also got um, all of the other awards from the TIAFT Rome meeting, so all of the Young Scientists Award as well as the Randall Basalt Award and also the best TF bulletin paper. So just a reminder that all of the bulletin papers across the now three issues each year are considered and there are regular um, notices in the bulletin about how to um, apply for different awards and the ones that are automatically included. We've also got all of the TF travel awards and an overview of all of those in this issue. I think we can uh, afford to give Carsten Stemmerich from Germany a mention for um, the best bulletin yeah. paper. That really was a, a very interesting article about deuterated drugs and analogues and really uh, started me thinking completely different about why pharmaceutical companies are using these drugs and um, how they're going to affect forensic toxicologists in the future. So go back and have a look at that one. And Carsten and his team with Torsten Arndt, they are regular contributors to the TF Bulletin and have been for many years. So this was a, um, a particularly deserving award, I think. So we have a book report. 
The book is called Poisonous Tales, Forensic Examination of Poisons in Fiction, and it's by Hilary Hamnett, who is also a friend of the Toxpot. Sarah Russell and Stephen Beginsky have um, provided a review of that. Um, it looks like a very fascinating book, and I'm going to be getting a copy myself. It looks really interesting, actually. It's not uh, your sort of typical academic textbook that we often have the book reports written up in the bulletin for, but it's more about um, some of the explanations behind um, some of the poisons used in some of these different stories. So it's, it's a bit of a different spin on forensic toxicology. And one of the main points that Hillary makes, which I find very relatable to my own angst, is how these literary and, and movie poisons tend to act way too quickly. Somebody will take a poison of some type and, you know, the actor will immediately collapse or swoon gracefully or whatever it is so that the story can move on. But they skip all the, the real symptoms of these poisons, which makes it a little hard for those of us who are toxicologists to stomach sometimes. Got to have a little bit of theatre, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> she also gave a webinar highlighting the book, and the link to that is in the bulletin article as well. Um, I watched that. It was pretty fascinating. And sadly, Neville Dunnett passed away recently, and there is a tribute to him uh, in this bulletin edition as well. Yeah, it was kind of cool, actually, because Dimitri found some writing of of Neville's in, in an old bulletin issue and, and quoted it for us to see a piece of what he was like as a toxicologist and as a longtime servant of TF. Yeah, he was actually secretary of TAFT between 1972 and 1990, which is a very long um, term that he served doing that. So, And also a big thanks to all of our contributors for writing in articles uh, for each of our issues. Obviously, without all of our authors, we wouldn't have any content to publish. So keep, keep the content coming for 2024. And we've also got uh, ads from our very generous sponsors, Abbott and the University of Florida. We're really appreciative for all of the support from our sponsors over the whole of 2023. And we're looking specifically right now for articles from Africa and the Middle East. So if you have any ideas, please do send them in to us. That's right. It's going to be a, a special issue for this region of the world for our next issue, which will be published in March. So please get in contact with us at the bulletin email address if you have any suggested content for that issue. So the email address is, of course, uh, bulletin at tf.org. So I think that concludes our episode on the latest TF Bulletin. Thank you very much, Jen and Rebecca. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Registration is now open for the 61st annual TAFT meeting taking place from the 2nd to the 6th of September 2024 in St. Gallen, Switzerland. The early bird rate is only available until May 31st, so be sure to register soon for the reduced rate at www.tft2024.org. We look forward to welcoming you to St. Gallen for an inspiring, engaging and enlightening conference.